to Drummers Only Radio. Drummers Only is the UK's leading drum shop with store locations in Glasgow and Leeds. Our podcasts are full of interviews, gear reviews, and much more from the unique perspective of a drum shop. The show is hosted by two pasty Scottish dudes who talk real fast. Whoa, slow down there, Braveheart. So here's Chris, the Glasgow shop manager, and Adam, the social media manager. Be sure to like, subscribe, and let's do this. Drummers Only Radio, episode number 44. With Mr. Jake Brooksbank. Jake Hello. Brooksbank in the house. Hi, guys. Evening. Hi, Jake. How we doing? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, good, I think. You had your first day back open today. We did on the day that we're recording. We opened our doors to the public again and it was very nice. We had some regulars come in. We had some new folk come in. So yeah, it was a nice day. To see people. To see people in person. Yeah. Two metres away, but still face to face. I mean, you've had, it's been pretty lonely town down there for you, man. So that must be nice. Yeah, no, it's been good. It's been really nice to get back open. The prep for it all last week was great as well. Just getting everything back displayed nicely and prettily. So I enjoyed that. Now, I'm, I'm just going to jump in here because listeners to the podcast who have listened to every single episode so far know that Jake appeared and then mysteriously disappeared again for an episode. So Jake co-hosted an episode with myself um, to interview Mike Shaprari of SJC because um, you were away having a child at that point in time, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it's literally almost a year ago, eh? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's bonkers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I felt like Jake never really got a proper introduction. So do you want to give us a little bit of an intro? Tell the people um, who you are, what you do, where you've came from and the rest. Yeah, um, it's like the introduction to Blind Date, isn't it? What's your name and where'd you come from? <laughs> I like it, I like it. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. That's good work. So Adam is our version of Scylla Black. Anyway, so yeah. Um, where do I come from I come from a small town in West Yorkshire called Castleford I suppose that wasn't what you were asking but that's where we'll begin I mean that's where we'll start Um, (laughs) uh, I suppose job wise I am the English counterpart of Christopher I run our Leeds branch with some lovely members of staff um, before this, I worked for a online musical instrument retailer uh, in the sort of the back end offices, buy-in departments and things like that. And before that, I was a rep for a year. Then before that, I worked in a uh, sort of multi-instrument chain company as well for a few years. So that's my, that's my CV. You're hired. Uh, you've done a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, in this industry, what, three, six, seven, eight, nine, probably about 11, 11 years, 12 years coming up to now in the, mm-hmm. in the MI industry. Mm. You've, but like the ground you've covered in that time is quite vast. None of us up here yeah. have, have repped or anything like that, you know? Did. Spent a year on the road checking out every Premier Inn up the M1. But um, yeah, repping wasn't for me, to be honest. It was... I got out of it for no uh, no other reason than the company I worked for went into administration. So I didn't choose to come out of it. But then when I had got out of it, it wasn't for me. I was away from the family a lot. 
Um, and as you both know, I've got two small kids uh, and a missus. So for me, being away sometimes three, four, five nights a week was not, not my bag. But I uh, met some amazing people along the way. Yeah, it would be a challenge, I think, for anyone that job, regardless of whether it is your bag or not. I think it would be quite... Mm-hmm. You know, there's only so many service station sandwiches you can eat. Um, Indeed. And, I, and do you know what, as well? I did, I did put on some weight in that year. I put on some timber <laughs> that year. Were you uh, sell? Was it a big catalogue or was it just drums? Uh, mostly drums. It was Percussion Plus. The company right. was Percussion mm-hmm. Plus. Um, mainly education, did entry-level and mid-range drum kits. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of tuned percussion. The British-made tuned percussion that they made was phenomenal. It was absolutely incredible. Oh, really? That was used by a lot of pros. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, the English-made stuff in Leicester. It's what... You remember when Premier used to do tuned percussion? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's um, a couple of the guys who worked for Percussion Plus at that time had come from the premier factory of tuned percussion over to Percussion Plus. So, yeah, but there's a lot of education um, and a lot of a lot of small shops as well. So you had hundreds and hundreds of accounts to try and keep up with. Yeah, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. What um, what transferable skills did it give you for what you do now? It gave me I'll tell you what, all all of the positions that I've had have given me a really good perspective from different angles to this Mm. industry. So obviously being a salesman on the shop floor, first and foremost, Mm. got that experience at PMT, then Percussion Plus saw it from selling to (laughs) people like myself, people like you, Chris, Mm -hmm. people like Paul's trying to sell gear to them. Um, And then buying on the, on the back end side of it for a, a, a big internet-based company that gave me a different aspect as well to see sort of what different things sell online versus sell in store and Mm -hmm. in person and things like that um and then coming here and doing this is i've been able to use everything i've learned to try and try and do the best i can with with this place yeah 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 there's a few skills in there that i could probably do with like actually learning (laughs) after all, all this all this time being in this job you know i think the the back end number side of it would be fun to know and and and, and get a handle on all that stuff, you know. Because I think her job yeah. is 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 a it's, it feels like her job is a culmination of all of those things that you've learned. Indeed, yeah. I think that's why I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to run a shop, mm-hmm. um, and I think given given what I've learned over the years has sort of aided me to do to do what I've been able to do with this shop and sort of my input into the company has been. I suppose what Paul, hopefully what Paul wanted from me, he has got. <laughs> well, you you still have a job, so exactly. We've been we've been through a pandemic, and I am still employed, so bonus. <laughs> so I was going to ask, like, you know, your experience as a manager running your own shop. You know, I mean, given the past year, obviously hasn't necessarily been the best example, but you know, uh-huh. how have you found that experience? You know, because you've obviously you've been. You've been on every other aspect apart from a managerial standpoint. So how have you found that? Uh, to be fair, I've, I found it really easy. My, um, I've took a lot of advice from my missus. My missus has managed people for a long time. Um, and as she'll probably tell you, she's always right. So everything <laughs> that I've uh, had an issue with, or if I've been questioning my own decisions, I ask Sarah. And Sarah's helped me a lot along the way when it comes to managerial side of things. And obviously having Chris 
and Paul and the rest of you guys to lean on has, has made it easier. But I think the transition has been, been great. I always know I want to do it. Um, and the staff that I've employed have been fantastic as well. So I couldn't ask for more. It's funny though, it's like there's so many things now go into the running of a shop. I mean, when you were at Percussion Plus, you stopped in on us, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So that, in the, the original. It was the the original one. Yeah, yeah. Before, so before we moved further down Commerce Street to where we moved from recently. Yeah. So yeah. The, that shop versus the shop we are now is wildly different even in that space time you know like oh yeah your position didn't adam's position didn't even exist yeah, you know was, social wasn't media wasn't i don't think facebook was even a thing when you would have stopped off then i think it was a thing but it wasn't nowhere near as powerful as what it is now yeah instagram i don't think was a thing i don't no. think instagram had been culminated at that point but no. um but yeah facebook was about but it wasn't was it anywhere near what it was? I mean, Adam, bless him, he was, when I was repping, Adam was about five. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's like five centimetres tall as well. <laughs> you know, it kind of, you've tied that in nicely because I guess like this is going to become a, a round table, mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. were, um, conversation mm. of what our experiences in the industry have been like so far. Mm. You know, Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, might get a lot of intel out of that, a lot of information out of that. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think the, the, the industry's changed um, dramatically. Like we said, you you have a job here doing social media, which when Paul opened the shop wasn't, wasn't even, even a consideration. Yeah. Um, we turn 15 soon. So we do, yeah. The way the industry's changed in 15 years is kind of bonkers, you know. Um, you know, sales reps don't bring catalogues to us now. And it's all done online, you know. Mm. It's kind of crazy the way it's all changed. Yeah, brand ambassadors and I suppose re relationship managers as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. making sure that we're, we're both the, the supplier and the retailer are, are sort of working together to get to get to the same place and, and they're both on the same page. And a lot of our suppliers these days, like you said, Chris, you nail on the head, used to come into a shop, pencil, paper, right, you want four of them, five of them, mm -hmm. six of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. no worries. That was it. Tick it off, send it away. But now they come in and they talk about all sorts of different things. And they talk to Adam about marketing campaigns and, mm. and how we can work together socially and things like that as well. So, yeah, definitely brand ambassadors, relationship managers. And they do still try and sell us things. Obviously, yeah. they try and sell us things. <laughs> like the idea of like something being pre-sold just didn't exist before. Yeah, mm. which I find really strange because that's the only that's the environment that I've just been experiencing you know as you know like you buy stuff basically before you even see it yeah yeah it's, it's crazy you know like product launches would have been like it, customers wouldn't have seen it till they came out of the shop you know or, yeah. yeah we, we yeah. didn't even have a website initially there was no website initially when the shop yeah. opened it all like a holding page yeah, yeah yeah but there was no actual no i think it was just a home page with sort of the address the phone number and then a very basic email on there that, that's about all yeah. that was there 15 years ago but it's what it's what everybody had no nobody had these mammoth websites no. um yeah. that people have got now mm. and i mean ours ours is probably tiny in the grand scheme of like amazon and ebay and sites like that but our site's grown ridiculous amounts over the past 10 15 years yeah. well, absolutely we were talking to jared falk about um Dromeo and he was talking about they've got something like 5,000 hours of content on their back end. Which is wow. insane. Yeah. Like, this, this is a yeah. crazy amount of content. But if you imagine that being 
how you imagine each slice of content being a skew. Mm. So yeah. you know, DW parts alone could could rinse about a third of that, you know, and having to house all that <laughs> in, yeah. in one place, and then you add Gibraltar spares, and then every other thing that floats around yeah, before you've even got to a snare drum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the amount that we have to hold is a, the amount we have to catalogue and, and make and keep on top of and yeah. all that stuff. And there's always that one customer mm-hmm. who will find that one part, and it's the one part that you've not got listed. You know, just them's, <laughs> them's the breaks. Absolutely, absolutely. So then, okay, well, what's your experience been like? Because you're the newest uh, in the game, really, if you like. Jake's yeah. been doing it 10 or 11. I've been here 15 or so. So what's your experience like? Well, my experience is probably going to be very similar to a lot of people who go from customer of drum shop to then working mm-hmm. in drum shop. Like, it's obviously very different from how you imagine it. Because, mm. again, like... And we've spoke to people on this podcast that are like, like I asked these questions to reps and, you know, we had Ian on um, from Tama mm-hmm. because it was a question I would have asked a drum shop. Like, you know, like, do you get your drums literally from, like, do you phone up Japan or China mm-hmm. and just be like, I'll have, you know, a Star Classic, please. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mm-hmm. because you just don't know, you don't see that side of it. No. Um, so for me, like coming in and learning, like, oh, you actually like, people from these companies actually come to the shop and, you know, their representatives and all that stuff, which I'm ass- I've never worked in a shop before, so I'm assuming that's pretty basic stuff. You know, I imagine my mum used to work in a, a news agents and it was the same for, like, the people who brought in the confectionery and all that kind of stuff. So, But I never quite put those two things together well, in my head. Well, it depends on where you worked because I worked for Topshop. Yeah. Top man, and it was all. It was still a delivery truck turned up and, and brought deliveries in. There was it's no sales rep because it was all made for them. Yeah, yeah. I think the difference between those sort of companies is that's like your, the top shops, the H and M, the Primax, mm. those sort of clothing companies. They have they have a big wholesale sort of yeah. entity that will send everything that's just got a top shop label sewn into the back and they will just go, right, there's a hundred shops, split that evenly between a hundred shops. Yeah. Whereas shops like us, because we're independents and like you say, with news agents, it's the same. I've got a friend who owns a news agent and he gets the rep from Coca-Cola and mm. like Wrigley's and mm. companies like that. They come to the news agents and there's a, if there's a deal on or if they've got a new product coming out and stuff like that. It's, mm-hmm. It does happen in other industries, but they're not in others as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess if it's if it's own brand, it's like a- Apple don't have no sales reps, you know. Yeah, they, exactly. They, they are just selling. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I found that straight side of it really like not like as in like oh this is weird, but just like you, you never quite put those two scenarios in your head. But obviously when you're in it, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So there's that side of it. I mean, obviously again, a lot of my experience was coming in to see you guys if I needed new gear. So it's nice being on the other side of that as well. Mm-hmm. It's nice being on like, well, if I, I, I try and put myself in a customer's shoes a lot, which is obviously what you guys would do to me when I was a customer, like just like, well, what do you actually need? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's quite easy when you're in a retail environment like this to just, you know, instinctively try and just sell them something that maybe is like, okay, that's been there for a while or, oh, like, you know, this is expensive or people might think that way anyway. Um, whereas we obviously make a very, very valid and big point of just being like, what do you need? You yeah, it's, it's it's kind of marrying customers' needs with the right product. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes that can take a minute to get to. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people don't know what they want mm-hmm. or they have an idea of what they want and then they explain it and it's the wrong thing. Yeah. Like uh, when 
all the cymbal companies started doing super dry cymbals. Everybody wanted them, and then like a year later, realised that they couldn't be heard over the band they were playing in. You know, mm -hmm. I've I've seen customers. I've gone out and seen customers playing gigs just accidentally with cymbals that just weren't necessarily the most appropriate for what they were trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. But that's the, that's the sound they want. Yeah, to to be on the other side of that coin, like I think that's quite a learning curve. Um, certainly for me as well, from having no retail experience, um, to be on that side of the fence where you you know you know instinctively like oh this symbol would work great for you or there's a snare drum that will you know it sounds like it will exactly fit what you're looking for you know so that's that's been a challenge but you know how much of that has changed for you guys over the years in terms of like this the selling experience well i think the the for me i don't know about jake but for me the core principle is the same someone has a need you have to fulfill that need with the product but what's really changed is one the pace of it it moves so, mm. so quick now. Two, the way people shop is very different. Um, you had two payment options, maybe three initially, cash, card, and maybe finance. We didn't do part X for the first few years, so you couldn't part exchange gear for a while because you need to have a license and all these things to do that. So, See, you know, I didn't even know that. Yeah, so for the first however long, we didn't do part exchange. So then that became a, that became new and that started to be a thing we, we, we looked at. And, um, you know, the, the way people think about what uh, what is new and what isn't and the condition of their gear and that kind of negotiation changed. Uh, people trying to buy through Instagram and not, they don't, like young kids don't want to talk to you on the phone. They would much <laughs> rather like just you know navigate a screen, and it takes you three or four times as long to get to the core of what they're looking for because they might not know how to explain themselves. Or there's so many different things. Whereas before, it was someone came in and was like, "I'm looking for a china. What have you got? Well, what kind of sound? This kind of sound. We have these three or four, and you would put them in a demo room. They would try them out, and they would typically buy one. You know. But so for me, it's the way it's all the way people shop is vastly different. You know vastly different they don't even i mean right now they can't come into glasgow so i've had a, a, today had a customer drop me a message to say can i send you a track i'm looking for this kind of sound what do you have in stock that would do it so i'm selling somebody a symbol through my phone without them hearing it <laughs> and they, it's just that they, they trust me enough to think to, to make the decision yes. you know so that's wildly different events events oh that's awesome i I want, I want that challenge. I want one of my customers to do that to me. That okay. sounds well, I, I challenging. Will, I will forward you the message. We should see if we suggest the same products. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, I'll send that to you. Done. Yeah. I like Done. it. I like your, it. Your challenge is also um, one of the most fascinating things I ever saw when I probably in the first couple of weeks of working in a drum shop was, I can't remember if it was you, you Chris, or if it may have been Liam at the time, but you managed to sell someone a woodblock by playing the woodblock down the phone oh i mean we've done that for yes yeah, like, <laughs> that that yeah I, I, i've seen some pretty amazing shit in my time but that was pretty phenomenal like <laughs> that was awesome i mean yeah sometimes these are the conversations you have to have with people yeah you know I hey, you know see how. this this is exactly how things have developed chris so you sold it playing a woodblock down the phone a few years ago and now we actively get requests sometimes daily to produce high quality 
audio files and videos of playing <laughs> cymbals and snares and kits, all the pre-owned stuff we've got. We get requests for video content of that. So Absolutely. that's a good point in how it's how it's evolved. Yeah, People yeah. are shopping by that. They're, they're seeing things and going, do you know what? Like, like you say, up until only today, nobody could come into either of our shops. So get an email and it'd be like, right, I've seen this snare drum. I want it but I need to know what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So then we, we get our EAD out, we get a camera out, we film it, we send it to them, and then they go, yep, that's what I need. Yeah. I mean, what's great about all that is that they're buying something through the sound of it. Because, I mean, how many times have mm -hmm. you sold a, a, a kit, Jake or Adam, because it looks good? Ah, how many times have I bought a kit because it looks good? <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, guilty. At, at, least, at least people are like, how does it sound? You know, does it? Yeah. Because, you know, especially when you're selling entry level at Christmas time and you've, you've got, you know, mums and dads coming in going, ah, that one would go with the couch. Literally. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Cool. Yeah. That's the winner today. Yep. Do you have it in brown? Because that's how my walls are decorated. Like, um, mm -hmm. You decorate. Yep. Wait. No. Who, listen. There's brown <laughs> sorry. Decoration talk here, right? <laughs> who decorates a wall brown? Like, who does that? Sorry if you've got it's a walk right. my, brown. My, I'm really I'm, sorry. <laughs> when Gail and I bought a house, the carpets in it are brown. Are they really? Yeah, oh, they're, 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 they're not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's, the ni what's the nicest brown kit you've ever seen? Uh, a Barnwood Brown Pearl Session series in Barnwood Brown. There you go. Oh. Yeah. Nicest brown kit I've seen was the Tennessee Whiskey Classic oh, Oak yeah. that we had in. That was stunning. Touché. I see your Tennessee Oak, and I'm not going to raise you because it's not in the same caliber, but Yamaha Tour Custom and Chocolate mm -hmm. Stain. Yeah, Pro-Light nice, Chocolate Burrow's quite yeah. nice. Chocolate Burrow. Um, but yeah, then, like, talking, of, like, events, events, the way they're done now is a massive, massively different, you know, we, the last clinic tour we had was um, Eddie Thrower and Marco Miniman, two yeah. events in one, you know. When we first opened, we would maybe do, like, one or two clinics a year. Mm-hmm. Now it's how now it's one of the ways that that brands will sell you gear. Yeah, like mm -hmm. they'll do a product launch on a clinic tour. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's was, was a year when we did like ten clinics or something crazy. Bonkers. Something right. one a month nearly. You know. Yeah. So that's very yeah. different. Um, so yeah, I don't know about you. What about you, mate? How do you think it's changed really? Cause even from the, the the way you used to do it. Yeah, I mean. It, it, it has. I totally agree with you. I think the fundamentals of it are the same. If people people want something. We're kind of lucky because we're we're, what, we're probably what's classed as the luxury retail industry. Mm. You you don't need to own a classic maple. You don't need to own a full set of Byzantine symbols. You don't need any of those things. It is what you want, and it is what people aspire to own mm. things like that so we're lucky in that sense um and that that's why the fundamentals of it has not really changed but yeah definitely the way people shop um for us to still have these big physical stores we have to we have to be immersive we have to be a destination for people to want to come in we have to have the demo rooms available we have to have the events that that you spoke about chris and things like that to to keep to keep us trading the way that we trade and to keep mm. us being in, in the forefront of, of the, the drummers that shop with us as minds. Mm. Um, 
again, like you said, the, the reason that Adam's job was created was because Facebook and Instagram became so prominent that it, it's it's definitely a person's full-time job to manage those things. You can't just sort of do it. I mean, we we struggle when Adam goes on holiday for two weeks and yeah. me and you have got a shop, me and you have got a shop each to run and to try and do the socials at the same time is a nightmare mm-hmm. these days because yeah. of how much effort needs to go into that. So those sort of things have changed. Um, and like you say, I 100% agree. Nobody, nobody of a, of a certain age wants to talk on the phone anymore. I still love a good chat. I absolutely yeah. love a phone call. I think you can get, I think you can get so much done in a two minute phone call that would take two, three days over email backwards yeah. and forwards, replying when you've got time and, and then you go and do something else and blah, 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 blah. And then you come back, you miss a notification cause you swipe it off by accident and things yeah. like that. So yeah, the fundamentals have stayed the same. The way people have shop has definitely changed, but we've adapted really well to that. If I do say so myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. there's so much tone can be missed on email as well. You know, like <laughs> our tone can be misinterpreted as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. You, you might not get someone's humour, yeah. or you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a very, very strange way to try and to do business at times. But I guess that's just it, isn't it? You know, yeah. that's just what it. What do you think's the next evolution? Um, drones. We are going to deliver snare drums via drone. That that would be pretty rad. Yeah, because um, it would. It I would don't be know shit for the person trying uh. to catch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than storks and babies. <laughs> um, I don't. What know. do you mean? Why? What's wrong with what's what's what? wrong with storks and babies? Nothing's wrong with it, but trying to catch my kid was oh. was a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you, no! You see, kids. I I always got told kids bounce, so I just let mine. Doom. Ah, I think. Yeah, I was never told that. Well, I'm learning a lot here, guys. I'm not going to lie. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Um, I don't know what the the evolution is. I don't know because I think there's still, and I think there always will be a contingent of drummers that will want to come to a bricks and mortar store. Um, You know, if you're buying a Istanbul Agop 30th anniversary symbol and you take a punt on the internet, you know, that's it's a yeah. 500, 600 quid symbol that you're taking a gamble on. So I think there's always going to be a necessity for people to try the gear, mm-hmm. um, regardless of how technical or how advanced or how consistent it gets. Mm-hmm. That's still going to want to happen. So yeah. I think there'll always be a need for it. Whether, um, whether brands continue to need stores will be different. I don't know. There's thoughts of brands selling directly. Mm-hmm. Um, to consumers, but they will still need a place to go and test it. Yeah, you know. So yeah, for sure. I mean, it it happens in the states. You've got brands like Fender, mm. for example. Fender guitars sell direct to uh, end users in the states, but companies like Sweetwater and Guitar Center mm-hmm. they still sell a mammoth amounts of mm. Fender guitars because people people aren't allowed to go to the Fender factory to try them. But mm-hmm. Sweetwater and Guitar Center have got stores all over the states for people to go and try them. So mm-hmm. they still survive. I think if if it, like you say, Chris, I think if it went down that road, I think we'd still survive as well because we've got the knowledge, we've got the staff, we've got the space, we've got the gear for people mm-hmm. to come in, try here, and, and walk yeah. away with. Yeah, and I think the the, the the beauty of a drum shop is it's always going to be sort of viewed as an authority. Mm-hmm. So, you know, P- 
people like parents come to us because you're right, Jake, we have the knowledge. How many conversations have we all had with a parent who's buying a drum kit for the first time yeah. who would be lost, mm -hmm. absolutely lost and buy the wrong thing or buy the wrong size or, you know, and a, a, a drum kit would end up sitting in a cupboard not getting used because they just didn't really know what, what to buy. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty overwhelming thing buying an instrument like yeah. that the first time you do it, especially, you know, a, if it was a stringed instrument, imagine buying a cello. They're really, really, really expensive. Mm -hmm. So, you yeah, know, you need to have someone that understands how they're made and why it's expensive and what strings are on it and, and how all that works. Yeah. You can't just take a punt, you know. Here's a question for you both, right? What is your experience of going into a musical instrument retailer in a different country? Or have you got one? Um... Because I'll give you mine. I'll, I went to Guitar Center in New York City. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I like Guitar Centers, which I'm sure is the case for all of them, but they don't just sell guitars. Like They have like a drum department and all that kind of stuff. And it's a really, really weird experience, I felt, because maybe it's just because it's, I, I looked in the drum section and there was a guy in charge of the drum department, but he really, really didn't seem into the whole thing at all. Like mm. um, This was before I obviously worked here and didn't know really the differences because I just assumed it was like you walk in, you kind of, you look at the stuff for a while, like, you know, unlike the experiences I've had here where I could come in if I want to try a symbol, I can do so. Like, you almost feel a bit, in my experience, I felt a bit like, you know, should I be allowed to play this? Like, mm. they had a sign, it was on a Roland TD50 and they had a sign on it saying, please limit your playing on this to like five minutes. <laughs> and all that and I'm like <laughs> if you think about the Roland TD50 which is like a seven grand kit like and if you were in to buy that kit and you only had five minutes to play it and try and figure out all the everything that's going on before you made that decision like that's not a lot of time at all it's really not if you can figure out a TD50 in five minutes you should be working here or yeah, for Roland or for Roland yeah or for Roland yeah definitely for Roland yeah um, my only experience of buying of going into a music instrument shop in any other country was in Canada when I was about 18 right um, and I was a bit like kid in a candy shop I, I, I didn't really um, I, I don't remember being very discerning about it all I was just walking about like what is all this is amazing you know yeah. um, obviously Canada is where Sabian are made mm -hmm. so Sabian were a, mm -hmm. a huge deal over there there was loads of them on the wall and I bought myself a splash symbol and it was mm -hmm. it was just a great experience but I've, I've heard some interesting horror stories you know well one of my when I first went to Guitar Centre like my first experience of walking in the drum department I saw the TD50 set up with the five minute time limit sign on it and I saw like it must I think it was a PDP kit, but it was in the corner of the shop and like they had a price tag next to it, but no heads were on the bass drum. Like all the drums were inside of the the bass drum shell. Like they could have easily like it's obviously someone just put it there just with no attention, no care whatsoever, just threw it there and would just like put still put the full price sale ticket next to it. I was like, man, really? That's like, yeah. I don't, I don't work in a drum shop. Maybe if I worked in a drum shop one day, I would do things differently. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Here we are. Well, I, I think like the way people buy in the states is different. Eh? They don't like. I've, I've, I've spoke to people about it. Like they kind of expect the heads to be played and stuff. They're not really that precious about the wow, really? about the original heads being played on the kit. I heard a rumor, and Jake, you might be able to tell me if this is true or I'm talking mints. That one of the reasons DW have crimped heads on their kits is because John Good did a tour of like music shops and all the DW kits were 
horrendously out of tune. They just weren't being looked yeah. after in these big places, so they put heads on them that guitarists can tune. <laughs> no, I heard that as well. I think we probably got told it by the same person. Probably. So yeah, probably. I'm, I'm, I'm under the impression that that is true. Yeah. So, you know, and I've, I mean, even in the UK, some of the chain stores might not necessarily have drummers working in the drum department. Mm-hmm. When I worked at a chain store, it was the same. If I, I was the only drum specialist at that chain store. So if I had a day off or if I went on holiday, it was somebody else. Yeah, most of them knew bits and bobs about drums, but they weren't a specialist per se. But they mm-hmm. had to step in mm-hmm. to my role whenever I wasn't there. Yeah. And I mean, I'd, you know, there may be a, did you ever have to cover the guitar floor? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, to be fair, I used to cover guitars and PA because I do a bit, I used to, I haven't in a while, but I used to do a bit of sound engineering. So I knew I got to know PA quite well Mm -hmm. um, and I play guitar as well. So I sort of fell into that on, again, on their days off. But in in chain stores that you look at the numbers of guitars that they sell compared to drums, it's ridiculous. So there will always be more guitar salesmen kicking about these shops in, in any country mm-hmm. than there will be drum specialists. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, we've all got guitarist friends who've got eight, nine, ten guitars. Mm. We, we don't own eight, nine, ten drum kits. No, mm-hmm. no, no. Maybe eight, nine, ten snare drums, but... Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, that's, our, that's, our, that's our guitar, but some guitarists alone, eight, nine guitars that are like two and a half grand each. Yeah. And things true. like that, whereas... Yeah. We, some, yes, we might own four or five snare drums, one of which will cost a thousand pounds, and then the others will be like 600, 500, 400, so, yeah. sort of thing. It's, uh, then, it's easier then, for us to own more snare drums. And then you'll get some of those guitarists who buy a three and a half grand guitar and stick it in the freezer to relic it. Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah. our comparison is can you imagine sticking a, a 10 inch rack tom from a PHX in a freezer to relic it? Like, Oh, <laughs> no. you know what I mean, that's just a disrespectful thing. All five of those guys who worked to build that drum, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think if we if we put anything like that on our social media saying that we'd done that, I think Yamaha would close our account. Yeah, I like, don't think we'd be allowed yeah. to sell Yamaha drums anymore. What's your experience of of being in a, a an instrument store in a foreign country? Yeah, I don't know whether it's just because because I work in MI. So when I'm abroad, if I'm on holiday or anything like that, I don't necessarily actively steer clear of them but i don't think i've been looking for them as such um but i did go on a dealer trip um a few few years ago where i ended up um going into a music store in cologne um and that is a very nice shop i don't know if you've ever seen any of the pictures of it or anything like that it's a lovely lovely music shop um and the staff in there were awesome they were fantastic. Um, I told them that I was in the industry so that they didn't have to sort of waste mammoth amounts of time trying to sell me anything when I was just there to have a look around. But but they embraced that. They showed me around and they said, "Oh, do you want to see anything else? Do you want? Uh, would you like a coffee and things like that?" They were they were lovely, lovely people over there. And the store is stunning. It is a very very nice shop. I think there's also been a real kind of renaissance if you will and stops shops like revival drum store and those kind of smaller more mm. boutique stores in the u.s and stuff that are trying to make it a bit more a bit more hip you yeah. know it's not as faceless as as a as a multi-chain you know so i would like mm-hmm. to see something like that i think that would be quite cool if i was ever anywhere near chicago i would go to chicago drum exchange for sure because mm-hmm. i've followed those guys on social media for years and 
the gear. I don't know whether it's just how good they are at taking pictures or <laughs> the lighting or the cameras they use or something, but it just looks ridiculously cool and it looks like they stock some of the most amazing like one-off pieces of playable art mm. is what it almost looks mm. like i'd like to see the dr the drum center of portsmouth yeah looks good mm -hmm. looks good yeah so I, I guess that's but my experience of it you know what about so when you've been here so like factory trips have you got any, i mean because you guys obviously went to tama uh, no tama sorry uh when you guys went to vic first and zildjian um, mm -hmm. you know, Jake, you went to China and Japan for Yamaha as well. Did yeah, that was insane. That was an incredible experience. That not had not been working in this industry, I would have not been able to. I don't think I would have ever been able to experience that. It was phenomenal. Mm. Um, we got to see the Chinese factory where everything, uh, everything apart from PHX is made. Mm -hmm. So it, we, we watched, I saw a guy lacquer in a recording custom Tom in, uh, in surf green. And it, we saw, actually we saw the factories on a few different levels. Um, and I think it was the second level was the brass and woodwind part mm. of the factory. Mm. The, the detail, the quality control, everything that goes into making those things as well is insane. Mm. It's absolutely amazing mm. the way that their staff are treated is fantastic they they get all sorts of stuff for free they get all <laughs> sorts of breaks there's just like a whistle will just go off and the entire factory will just down tools and just go for a chat and go and have five minutes sat down if they've been on a standing position and vice versa if you're on a seated position you'll get told right you've been sat down too long now go and have a wander around wow and it's brilliant that it when the whole I don't know. You'll, you'll remember it, uh, Chris, when, when Yamaha went from mm -hmm. everything being Japanese made to Chinese made, you had the purists and the traditionalists going, oh, it's, it's all made in China now. It's not as good as the Japanese stuff and all that. And it's just rubbish. Yeah, it's, it's a rubbish, load yeah. of rubbish because the drums that they are producing are phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, and then we went to, and then we went to the Phoenix factory, which I don't know if you can call it a factory. It's more like, it's more like, it's more like a hut with four, four or five of the best craftsmen that you could imagine in the world. These these guys have been building drums with their bare hands for about forty years, and they come from a line of like six descendants of theirs were drum builders <laughs> so so you're only the only people in japan that are allowed to make phoenix are you four guys wow which is why which is why customers a phoenix takes so long to be built yes because they're making it in a room that's probably 20 foot wide with four guys doing everything by hand but that was impressive that was very impressive mm. the way that they like the way that they join the plies and seal the shells and everything about it from start to finish is so detailed um, and so impressive. And the, the little paint shop that they've got at mm. the end is like a, it's like a little tiny little factory um, sort of belt line almost, not literally, but that's the way sort of it moves. You start the drum here and then it goes here and then it goes here and then it gets mm. painted and then it gets drilled and then, and then there's your drum, 
but that for one drum that process can take like eight days wow for, <laughs> for one one drum to be finished and uh and everybody was lovely the entire company welcomed us immensely we got welcomed at one point with an entire brass band stood outside of one of the factories welcoming us with music wow. it was fantastic i mean yeah that sounds pretty pretty rad it was yeah, it was it rad. was it was incredible in terms of that stuff i've been to nam the nam show was cool i think i went to the one of the last nams before selling online and the way we were sold to online happened you know it was like it was the year that the demon drive pedal was released so i think it was 2009 i think um so that was a pretty strange experience um yeah. i was there on my own so apart from i knew the sales reps that i was there to see so everybody that i spoke to uh, who was on any stand that i was there to do business with i knew from from being in here so the guys that were selling tama and the guys at yamaha and all that i knew yeah. all those guys but i'd like traveling on my own and stuff so um that was a very very strange experience but a wonderful experience you know yeah. what year was that i think it was 09 09 yeah so um uh it was the year there was a really 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 cold winter it was the january and um i had to i was delayed at all sorts but ended up flying business class because i was i had to fly instead of flying from glasgow to la or sorry glasgow to london to la i flew from glasgow to london to washington to la because my, i missed my flight <laughs> but the guy who was flying from london to washington sat beside me on the flight from glasgow to london and it transpired that i would taught drums to his son's pal Ah, okay. So they upgraded my seat for me and all that, which was pretty amazing. The flight, yes. from, the, the flight from Washington to LA was on a discount Ryanair uh, metal bus in the sky. It was horrendous. Oh, man. I went from like the best experience to literally the, the planes in the, <laughs> air, in the air and the cabin crew are tell, still telling people to get off the phone. Wow. You know, you're just like, <laughs> this poor this poor lassie just looks stressed out or not trying to try to actually deal with this entire cabin of morons that were trying to make phone calls while a plane was taking off <laughs> oh, brilliant, poor man. girl man it was not um yeah she was but, not having a good time and I'd, I'd accidentally blagged my way into the show before anybody else i, I, I walked in the doors at nine o'clock in the morning before the show was opened and i thought it was open it was like oh this is great it's quite busy and then it that was not busy you know because yeah. it just gets mental at which point the floodgates just open yeah so i was kind of just walking around the drum hall just like this is amazing before anyone else was there yeah. so, so you, you got over it really quickly <laughs> i mean uh, you think that it's loud when you do the uk drum shows nah man because nah, there's the guitar hall next door and it's just chaos mm -hmm. absolute chaos and everybody that sits down to play is amazing um, so <laughs> it's very strange so you're trying to you're trying to do business, so they end up. They, what the way they would do it is they would have like a, like a separate little, um, not a, a, a hut, but you know it would be where you would go to do your business would be soundproofed, so mm, that you like can a act. booth. Yeah, thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Um, yeah. So it would be soundproofed, and you would um, you would be able to actually have a conversation. Yeah. You know, but the trips are great. I mean, that's where I met Jake. We met on a peril trip. Yeah. To see some mm -hmm. of the new gear recently in Germany, yeah. you know. 
have a very nice caricature yeah. <laughs> of, uh, of Chris and I that got done on a boat. We were a, we were a few beers deep by this point and yeah. there was a caricature on the boat. And we were sat next to each other having a chat and she says, do you guys want a drawing? We said, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So she, uh, she sits down, does this awesome little caricature. Um, yeah. I'm going to get it framed, in fact. Yeah. I'm going to get it framed and Should I'm going to put it gonna put it somewhere in the shop and I'll put it on the socials when I do um, because it looks like uh, it looks like Chris and I are being um, intimate yeah. let's say <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> when you, when you, when, Chris knows what I mean because obviously he was there and he saw the picture but when uh, when you all see the picture and yeah. when you see it Adam you will understand exactly what I mean well, when, yeah, it says that, uh, when I say that looks like we're being intimate but yeah um yeah we met on that trip it was a fantastic trip we it, had, uh, it was eh? an awesome time we were there my, one of my drumming idols was there is that ian pace yeah oh yeah. man that's right i forgot about that he was such a cool dude he was awesome i mean he, when he played um he played highway star mm. uh to the track that wasn't recorded to a click. He didn't have a click in his ear. He didn't have in ears in. He just had a wedge monitor at the side of him playing a drumless track, blaring into his ear. Mm. Um, and he didn't drop a beat. Didn't go out of time with the track. He was just phenomenal. He's what? He's in his seventies now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. And later on in the evening, they had um, they had a function band playing, which were a, a, one of the most amazing group of musicians I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, Sasha Wack played yeah. drums for them, who is <laughs> awesome. Yeah. In fact, you should get Sasha for a podcast. He is awesome. That, I, yeah. yeah, I don't know why that hasn't occurred to me before, but yes, absolutely. Me neither. Me neither. Absolutely. So that so that that band that was playing, um, I think Sasha's wife was the singer as well. I think that's, she fronted that band. She did. That's right. Yeah. And uh, and then they played "Hush" by Deep Purple, and uh, Ian got up and played with the Function Blend. That's right. And he controlled the band perfectly as yeah. well. He's drumming away and then he tell, tells the bass player to just like bring it down a yeah. bit and then they slow it down and then he goes batshit because he's fucking awesome. <laughs> and it, it it was incredible. I love that man so much. I love he's, his playing. He's got a ridiculous set of hands on him yeah. for a guy of his age, man. Yeah. Because um, he played Burden as well. Do you not remember? It was yes. like it was just yeah, yeah. like all yeah. those single stroke roll fills were all still there because I think it was a live version mm -hmm. of Burn he, he played. Like Jings, man, that that boy could have been. He's, yeah. st he's still got it all there. We were on that boat with um, loads of other UK industry as well, like shops. I mean, um, I just relating to that to the earlier question. That's a thing I think that's changed. That shops communicate to each other now. Oh yeah, yeah. We're in touch with uh, with most of the other UK shops. I mean, we speak to d the guys at Drum Depot, Graham Russell, Sound Attack, yeah. Yeah. Uh, PM, even Drum PMT. Shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak to Nathan from PMT quite mm -hmm. often. Um, any any of them, any of them, if they ever phoned us up for anything, we, we'd always be on the other end of the phone because rattle and drum. Just the last week, both we we scratched each other's back on some some hoops for some some customers it's just you know it's just yeah i think the, the it's the market's too small now for all that eh for for not for not being oh, able 100%. to do that i would much rather have a relationship with another shop where we can help each other out than trying to be trying to outdo each other and trying to just win customers bum fight to the bottom it's just like it's so much easier to be on best terms with everybody and i mean when, when jake and i met we were jake wasn't working for us yeah, yeah. so 
um, you know, we ended up with a, a, a great relationship with him. He was working elsewhere, you know, so. I think we, we, uh, we, uh, we fell in love over a caricature. Yeah. And then. A train we, journey. We renewed, we renewed those vows in the States over Dunkin' Donuts as That's well. That's right. That's right. Oh, so jealous, man. Yeah. So Not the, that it the, the donuts. These, these trips are great for all that community vibe. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, fall, yeah. and falling in love on trains and stuff. You well, know? 100% agree with that because <laughs> <laughs> my, first vi- my first visit to a factory with the shop was with Jake. And it oh, was yeah. to the Mino factory. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. What was it? So that was amazing. Um, you know, like me, Jake and Joe from Mino. Me, Jake and Joe. Um, yeah, we had a great time. We had a great relationship. You know, it's something like we still talk about now. Whenever you know, whenever I speak to Joe on the phone, it's always "Hey, bro, hey, bro." Mm. You know, like just in jokes from those trips that no one else gets. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, yeah. That 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 was their two's jokes. I wasn't really in on that. I that was. That is uh, a lie. Was you were you were definitely in on it. By the time we were flying home, you were fully embraced. You're fully emerged in it. Don't even lie. Yeah, I was embraced because you two were just saying it constantly <laughs> over and over. So I felt left out. I had no other thing to do. <laughs> that trip was intense though because it was quick it was a quick trip we sort of you were up you go to the you we went to the airport we stayed at the airport we woke up mm. early as hell to get mm. onto a plane we then got picked up by lorenz at the airport then went straight to the minor factory saw because Manila the german distributor for tama so we saw a load of tama gear whilst we were there as well mm-hmm. then we saw some new minor products and then we had a, a research meeting and then we had a sales meeting and then we went to the hotel had half an hour to get ourselves sorted went out for food went to bed woke up went back to the minor it was one of those trips that was just one thing after another after yeah. another which was finished by what would you say about six six or seven hours of hitting symbols yeah mm, wow yeah. yeah which like the whole the whole trip to me just felt like one giant day hmm. like because i for me yeah. it started like i think we went i can't remember which day we went specifically but i remember i left glasgow to get a train all the way down to leeds because there was no point driving mm-hmm. met jake at leeds went to your house and then we went to the hotel and stuff um and it just felt as though the next time i went to bed was in a hotel again in leeds like to then go into the shop the next day. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh man, like yeah. 48 yeah. hours later, yeah. you know? I mean, they, they are, <laughs> they're typically lots of fun, but I think people don't realise that they can be hard work too. Like when we were in Boston, mm. there was some pretty serious sales meetings that we were sat through. Like we had four or three or four different people from the Zildjian company wanted to talk to us about three or four different facets of the market. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you've been travelling for... Yeah. 10 12 hours and then have to have a meeting on a different time zone about actual crucial things mm-hmm. you know factory tour aside all the sexy stuff aside you still have to do the business part of it which can be yeah. it can be taxing because you you know you're you're you are pretty exhausted like mm-hmm. traveling all the other side of the world for it you know yeah. so and especially um, because you're still you're trying to drink in the experience as well mm-hmm. and you know with all that going on I, f- I found it when we went to minor i found that really difficult to separate those two because i'm still just like looking around just mm-hmm. jaw on the floor like wow mm-hmm. we're here and like obviously if you're experienced in doing that stuff i mean you, they get international sale reps 
doing that all the time, you know, so they're used to that format. Well, I don't know that anybody will ever get used to going to a factory, because, I mean, we, well, there's so few and far between. Yeah, no, but what I mean is, like, they get used to, like, having just come off a seminar oh, flight, right. going okay. straight Sorry. into a meeting, Absolutely. you know, and be yeah. switched on and ready to go, yeah, like, yeah. you know, whereas, you know, for people like us who don't necessarily do it all the time, mm-hmm. it can be quite a, a strange experience, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But maybe I'm just not very good at it. Oh, I mean, it's, it's you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's all about what information you have, you yeah. know, like, we had to talk to the Zildjian guys about the market and where Zildjian saw themselves in the market in the UK versus where we saw them in the market in the UK and these kind of things and it's so varied mm-hmm. you know Jake was selling online and didn't have the customer in store experience that we had but we didn't have the online side of it that he had so he might say well a customer is selling really well and we're like really wow it's funny because we've not sold as many in the last six months you know what I mean mm-hmm. that kind of that's a bad example but you get the idea no I get, yeah, I get it yeah yeah, the information that you gain on these trips is great, like you say, from from other people. And um, we've, we've been on several trips where there's been other shops from around the world. Like when Paul and I went to China and Japan, there was people there from Germany and Spain. Mm. Uh, it, it was the a same in Germany. places we, in Europe. Yeah, but the peril thing was the same. All the, all the EU yeah. dealers were there. Yeah, yeah. So like we were, we were talking Yamaha with the guys from Tam Tam. Don't know if have you ever have you seen them on um, mm-hmm. on Instagram or anything like mm-hmm. that. They're they're huge. They're a, a massive, massive percussion shop in in Spain. But I'd not heard of them until I met them. Lovely guys, really, really great set of guys. In fact, one of the guys who was on the Yamaha trip with us um, is a sonar artist. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if he still works at Tam Tam, but he's a phenomenal player, mm-hmm. and he's all over their Instagram. So check him out he plays i think he plays um I think he plays pro light drums mm. now Amazing. but anyway that's that's nonetheless like gaining information from other countries that how differently they sell things you can pick up little nuggets and think do you know what we could we can't sort of do exactly that but mm. we can use part of that information to to better the experience mm-hmm. for our customers mm-hmm. and that's what these trips are all about they're, they're about the 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 brand who brings you out there gaining market research from the sellers, not just the market research they get from the consumers and the end users. Everybody getting all this information together just means that they can service the end user better. Mm -hmm. We can service the end user with the help from the brands as well. So they're well beneficial. It's interesting as well, because, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this as well, Jake, and you definitely have Chris, but, We'll sometimes get customers come in here and ask specifically why a symbol, one symbol, is so expensive, mm-hmm. you know, and having the knowledge, yeah. like, if we've actually seen, well, you know, I've been to the Zildjian factory or, oh, I've been to the Minor factory and I've saw, like, literally this symbol come from being just unlathed and just blank. literally mm-hmm. blank to now a finished product and, mm-hmm. you know, explaining to them that whole process, you know. Yeah. Like, I think it can really kind of put people in, not people, the phrase put people in their places is the wrong phrase, but... You know what I mean? It kind of it justifies to people like, well, that's where the money for that is really went. You know, that's why it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. It gives them the right perspective. That's it. Yeah, it puts the price into perspective. I'll tell you what did it for me, and I'm, no, me and Chris have spoken about this because it was when we were there together when we went to the Vic Firth factory. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and you you drive. We were sat on a bus, and I'm thinking at the first right, okay, we're going to a little wood shop in Maine. We'll see some drumsticks be made. Yeah, be cool. Mm-hmm. it's not it's it's an absolute 
mammoth yeah thing like the just the the building that they have to house the raw sticks in squared pieces of wood that's climate controlled to a very specific temperature yeah. before they even think about what size or style of stick they're going to be it's friggin huge it's about the size of the shopper oh, it's got to be bigger yeah got to be bigger massive yeah it's huge absolutely and you walk in we were on the ton they, they go all right okay we can open the door walk in and see how warm it is yeah. you walk in and the humidity just smacks you in the face it's like whoa yeah. okay didn't realize this happened and then you see the way that they make sticks. You see the way that they paint sticks and <laughs> all the effort that goes into it. There's a woman that works there and she'd worked there something like 25, 26 years or something daft like that. And she was the woman who, she didn't use scales for, for um, weight matching sticks. She'd done it that long that she could pick up a pair of sticks and go, uh, okay, they are... Uh, 140 mm. and then you'd put them on the scales and there'd be 140 yes. wow. and she she was the one who put them into buckets you'd have like because in a set of 12 you have two from this end two mm. from that end and a mixture of the in-between in a brick and then and then like you say a customer comes in and goes oh can't believe sticks are 10 pound 99 a pair i know i know it's wild. <laughs> it's wild but we've got but like you say adam though we've got that experience now to say to them £10.99 is nothing for what that stick has been through in its life yeah. to get to your hands I mean, they, yeah. to create the music yeah. that you love. Yeah. Well, they're controlling the moisture. <laughs> They've got the moisture control content down to something like 6% moisture or something. They've dialed in enough to know how to dry the wood to the right point before they then make it a drumstick. And, then, yeah. and everything that they, all the wood that they cast off goes back into reheating the building through the winter. So they don't yeah. waste anything. They're yeah. completely carbon, not only for carbon neutral, but they, 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 they're, they're, they self-regulate like that. So they don't waste anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. even, the, even the crap that comes out of it is, is a bare minimum. And they sell that off to a recycling company yeah. that use it for something else. That's wild. Wow. Yeah. No, it's a very impressive mm -hmm. facility that they've got there. I mean, I think one of the most hilarious things is as well, there's a guy with a job title there whose job title is Butt Dabber. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, a, he, was a, he was a lovely guy. And uh, basically, um, when Vic Firth or Zildjian uh, have their sticks painted, they, they dip them into a big pot of paint. And this guy's job was, was to dab the butts right. of the sticks right. so that it didn't leave sort of a big blob of paint hanging off and his job title today he is butt dabber i totally forgot about that wow. man I totally <laughs> forgot about that and then like they, 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 how they paint where the tip of the stick is to make sure it's lacquered is they basically put them in a big tumble dryer with these tiny 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 little ball pellets of paint and they just spin it and, and these little these little balls coat the stick properly so that it gets in all the nooks and crannies of the stick so it's evenly coated and all that. It's a, it's a total, total, uh, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, I remember the, the guy, I can't remember his name. He used, when he, he took his job over at Vic Firth, he couldn't understand why they pitch matched everything. And he thought it was a waste of time and money and he was trying to get them, I don't know if he was trying to get them to stop doing it, but he was like, he can't, you know, why do we pitch match and weight match? And somebody eventually explained to them, if you're 10 years old and you are taking up drums for the first time and you have a practice pad um, and you're practicing a double stroke roll, you could be practicing it perfectly, but if your sticks are pitched differently, it'll sound different. 
you'll get a different fundamental note yeah. from each stick. So that'll teach, that'll teach you to do it wrong. You'll end up learning a bad habit to make it sound right. It's like, ah, oh, okay, cool, got you. And as soon as he put it in a context, he totally back, you know, he got behind the science and it was amazing to listen to all these stories about how these people came to the be as good at their job as they are. Yeah. Amazing. It was a great four hour drive, man. The lobster, no. <laughs> oh, the lobster place was fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was like something out of the office. They, right? they made great milkshakes at that place. They did. They did. It really was. Yeah, yeah. it was like they. It was like they'd gone back in time to 1975 <laughs> to this random cafe in the middle of nowhere yep. that only served lobster sandwiches in hot dog buns. Yeah. <laughs> And there was wow. like there was like maybe ten of us from the UK all turning around begging to be taken to the Five Guys across the road, like because we, <laughs> yeah. we, we we don't want to eat with with our grands pals because that was all that populated this place. Uh, pretty amazing, oh, good times, man. man. Fun times, fun times. Yeah, so man. there you go. That's my experience Indeed. so far of working in the job. Yeah, me too. And I'm I'm excited to see what other experiences there are ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Jake Indeed. you guys have now opened up back there now by the time this comes out you'll have been open a few weeks I think yeah and we in Glasgow will be hopefully open yeah by that point. fingers crossed yeah hopefully so yeah thanks very much for coming on tonight man no worries thanks you for having me it's been nice to shoot the shit I know we, we've tried to do this before and it just this is it getting lined up eventually you know so um, yeah we should have you on talk, we'll talk rubbish about something completely different next time we should do this more often, guys. Mm-hmm. We should. You are correct. You know. Well, there's, there's some guests I've got my eye on in the pipeline that I think, you know, would be great for either Chris and Jake to tag team or myself and Jake um, to tag team. Sounds good. I'm not. I'm not going to say any more than that. Mainly because things haven't been confirmed. But and as soon as as soon as I'm allowed to Glasgow, I want to get in on this. Uh, where, wherever you'll be on the screen the backdrop, I want yeah. to get involved in this beautiful purple backdrop the next time I'm up there it's 100% yeah do it man do it as soon as we can as soon as we can <laughs> so Jake if people want to follow you personally on the socials you know where can they find you uh, Instagram okay <laughs> just your name <laughs> just my name I am on Instagram it's jake.brooksbank on Instagram um, Jake um, has a wicked yeah, camper that, van that you guys should all check out oh yeah out he's got him. a good camper van chat Ah, yeah. Trixie. Yeah. Ah, Trixie. She costs me a fortune, but (laughs) she's a labour of love. She is. That's um, a good one to follow. She's going to look great when she's decked out, man. Yeah, we're getting there. It's just a slow burner, man. It's just the the amount of money and time that it takes is insane in these things. But we got shows in her, and hopefully we did no shows last year. So hopefully by the back end of this year, we'll be able to go to some shows and and I'll have to put some time and some effort into her. But follow Trixie. She is at Trixie Transporter. All right, man. Nice one. Yeah, we'll catch up with you. I'll speak to you tomorrow. You will, yeah. Okay. See you later. Thanks, guys. Cheers, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drummers Only Radio. You can find us online at www.drummersonly.co.uk. Drop us a line. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Drummers Only UK. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Any questions, info at drummersonly.co.uk is the email. Or if you need leads, it's leads at drummersonly.co.uk. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.